This is Jason Miller. On this episode of JazzCast from the Vault, jazz artist interviews from the KBLU archives, my 2006 afternoon jazz interview with vocalist Gretchen Parlato. My guest today on the program is jazz vocalist Gretchen Parlato. Her latest album is called In a Dream on the Oblique Sound label. And it's a beautiful album featuring her own compositions and classic material by the likes of Stevie Wonder, Duke Ellington, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, and others, all of which she instantly makes her own. Gretchen Parlato is also a first place winner of the Thelonious Monk International Jazz Vocals Competition. And we're going to be talking about her latest album, In a Dream, and also her life in music. First thing, I just would like to welcome you to Afternoon Jazz here on KVLU. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, Gretchen, uh, the album has been in rotation uh, since it since it came out here on the show, uh, your second record called In a Dream. And um, first question I want to ask you before we get into the album is... Um, being a, a jazz vocalist right now, in the present tense, current scene, or what, whatever you want to say, what, what is really the role of the vocalist that has changed in, say, the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, just in the tradition, I guess, of jazz vocals? Um, what are some of the things that have changed as a vocalist right now? Hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think it's just become, the voice has become thought of more as an instrument. Um, in jazz, this is for another kind of music. Voice might have been thought of in this way for you know since the beginning of time, but I think for jazz, in a more traditional sense, um, we thought of thought of and heard singers you know sing the melody, sing the lyrics, and then kind of step away. And then more and more, you know, they would begin to take solos and then have a more improvisational role in in the music. But now even um, like I said, it's more of a real thing that the voice is an instrument. So you can sing melodies, you can sing backgrounds, you can sing, um, you know, lines with other instruments, with other horns or, you know, guitar or piano and, and kind of weave your way around and become kind of a, a texture in the music. Um, there's a lot we can do rhythmically. Um, you know, we can, by changing the vowels, and the consonants and the shape of, of the notes that we've seen it changes like the, the resonance, you know, of, of how the note's gonna, gonna gonna resonate in our face and in our bodies. That's gonna that can shift and, and there's a it's pretty versatile what, what the voice can do. So I think I think it's just become a, a broader um, definition or thought of, of what vocalists are capable of. And we can challenge ourselves to do more than what we thought we could. Since uh, you have the words versus the persons with the instruments, I guess that plays into it as well. Is the, is the lyrical content changing what jazz, or I only want to use the word jazz, what songwriters can do now in contemporary, contemporary music? Yeah, I mean, definitely the fact that, that singers have lyrics, have, you know, we have a story to tell. We have um, not just any story, but depending on you know, who we are, we're open and, and you know completely open and vulnerable to, to our life and letting that breathe through the music we're telling our own story through through the song um, and every instrumentalist is doing the same thing I would hope they would that's you know their attempt but yeah with lyrics I mean everybody can directly relate to what we're trying to say so it's it's a it's a role that that should be honored and, and cherished and explored 
And, you know, we can all learn from each other. We can, singers learn from instrumentalists, and instrumentalists can learn from singers. And, you know, basically it's, it's all, it all comes down to just music. Can you talk a bit about the truly rising stars of music that played with you on the album? Yeah, um, these are some of my favorite musicians, favorite people in the world. Um, Lionel Lueke is, is on guitar and, and voice. I've never heard him do vocals before, and that really grabs <laughs> you right away. Yeah, he's, he's deep. I mean, he's someone who's, you know, what you touched on earlier, just using his voice in a, in a, in a completely different way than what, sure. you know. Percussion the, almost. The tradition, yeah, very percussive. Um, realize, um, you know, there's a, there's things that he does that, that we might not have thought we're capable of, you know, and I love that about any kind of artist, but um, especially with his singing, it's not that he's a, a crooner and he's going to sing, you mm-hmm. know, sing a ballad and, you know what I mean, it's it's not like Frank Sinatra, but it's, it's definitely, he has something to say, you know, and it's very unique. Um, so he's incredible, and um, Aaron Parks is on piano and on Rhodes. Um, I definitely wanted to have acoustic aspects of the album and then some more electric textures. So um, Aaron was brilliant at at all of that. Um, Derek Hodge is playing acoustic bass and electric bass, and he's just, he's a beast. (laughs) Um, He's a beautiful person and um, really just can really anything on on the bass and and does it with such um such depth and, and soul and passion um and Kendrick Scott is playing drums and, and a little percussion and he's he's a beautiful person as well very warm as a, as a person and, and warm as uh with the, the texture and the sound of his drums and what he what he does is very, always very thoughtful, very musical. So all of these guys are not only, you know, wonderful people, but incredible musicians, and they're incredible individually, but also collectively. You know, they've, they've worked together for years, and they're all very good friends. So the, the whole, you know, dynamic and the vibe of, of just the, the recording sessions, just producing this album was just a complete pleasure. And... Musically, they just made it very um, easy for me. Have you been able to uh, to play live with this ensemble or members of this ensemble um, collectively? Yeah, um, we've we the most incredible show we ever did was um, was in Paris with Wayne Shorter. We we um, did the Jazz à la Villette Festival, and that was September two thousand seven. So I. All those guys out out with me, and we um, performed a set, and then Wayne Shorter came and, and sat in with us, and that was just surreal. So I don't know if anything could top that. Sure. <laughs> but um, we also played um, we played at the Jazz Standard in New York City um, the night before we went into the studio. Actually, I thought it would be a, a good idea to have a gig and just you know play the music, get it out, have it you know work it out, have it feel good, have an audience there, get some some good energy going and then you know going into the studio with with that kind of uh energy taken with us so there's been a few times where i've been able to play with them in new york um and individually i play with with all of those guys uh, more often but it's it's tough to get them all together now because they're 
Yeah. They're so uh, busy and man. they're famous, you know. I try though. <laughs> if something something comes up that I'm able to get them. The album ha- has uh, there's a warmth that that emits from the album, and um, I want to play a couple tracks from it, and uh, I want you to help me DJ on this. Um, <laughs> the the first thing, if you don't mind, uh, uh, there's two selections that. Um, uh, the first song that I heard first was the Stevie Wonder cover. I can't help it, but yeah. but the the songs I want to go to is the two that have the samples of you singing at age two. Now, the reason why is because for a long time, uh, just being naive and uninformed myself, I'd always make the mistake of asking the vocalist when did they begin singing. Which the question is always ever since I could make sound of my mouth or ever since yeah. I was young. Very few people say I'll start singing in college. Right, right. Never sang before. So they've sang since early age. And I, I just, I like how you answered that question because you put it on the record. And um, I, uh, I just, I guess I just like, how did that come to be? Uh, you had some uh, old recordings laying around and uh, they worked as the introduction lead-ins to these two, two different songs on the new album. That's exactly it. Um, you know, I, it was very common that, that you know, um, my mother would record my sister and and me, you know, when we were playing or when we were, this is that in the bathtub because you can hear the water. She'd record us just kind of for fun and document. And if you're, you know, this is a cassette. So this is seventies. Sure. Now you can like, sure. you know, put something up on YouTube. But um, so we ha- we've had these cassettes in our family for a long time, and every once in a while, you know, listen to them, you know, laugh, and it's always oh, it's so cute and so funny. And um, but more recently, you know. Actually, not even recently. When my mother and father heard that then, when I was two, they were pretty blown away by um, by by the music. Uh, I don't know ability, um, and they're both musicians. So it was, it's it's funny that they were even surprised because to me it just makes sense. We I heard I I think at that you're really you're imitating what you hear. It's just the same as you're learning how to speak. You're learning how to imitate sound, and your and and so I think that's I was obviously it it was a reflection of them of what they exposed me to, and I was able to grasp onto that and and make something of it, you know, very very early in my life. Um, so years we would kind of think, oh, that'd be cool to kind of you know you should you should use that somehow. You should you know play this for your band, and you guys should you know take some idea from this arrange some song you know it was always something musical some idea that we could do something with these recordings and I just decided okay let me think about it and when I was listening to little snippets realizing okay this tempo is actually that was kind of this could work as an intro to to butterfly you know same same tempo and it also all of a sudden by doing that gives it a really um to me and I hope that people very profound and deeper meaning you know to for for the, than the song already has, so we had some fun with that. Definitely, the little clip that you hear is like uh, you know a few seconds among like size of a cassette. So I don't know what that is <laughs> an hour, <laughs> you know. So it's there's there's a lot more you know where that came from, and it was all just you know it's I was just a two year old playing in the bathtub, making up songs, beating out rhythms and singing along with it, and stories to myself and you know laughing so it was all just complete child playtime <laughs> behavior but it's it's really cool to kind of to be in, in tune with that whenever i i do have kids i'll definitely 
remember how um, impactful it is to to have art be a huge part of their lives, and then you'll see, you know, if it's something that's going to resonate with them, you, you, pretty early, I think. Oh, certainly. And uh, mm-hmm. can we play Butterfly first here in the uh, interview? Yeah, sure. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about that particular song, Herbie Hancock tune? Uh, yes, um, Herbie Hancock, his his sister, Jean Hancock, wrote the lyrics. I think they're right. they're beautiful. It's a great song. The, the original version, you know, the Headhunters is amazing, and I just thought maybe we can kind of scale it down and, and do something with it. So I came up with this arrangement, and I love how, you know, Leonel and Derek played with me. So here's Butterfly. Right, awesome. So Gretchen Perlato is my guest in a dream. Here's her uh, latest album on Oblique Sound, Butterfly the Tune. What uh, song would you like to uh, feature uh, next here on the program? Well, something that, that seems to resonate with people is the last song on the album, a cover, if you will, of, um, of SWV, of Week, that song top of the charts in the early 90s by that um, incredible R&B group, Amazing Singers. <laughs> so that, that song um, was really was all over the radio when in, in high school, and I always loved it, and I thought that it would kind of be to, do, to sing it and do something with it, and, and obviously, you know, I sound nothing like um, those singers <laughs> that, who originally sang it. Yeah. I'm not an, an R&B singer, but I thought, if, you know, a song is a song, a great song is a great song, and, and there's, you can kind of, you can approach it the same way that you would if you were to just sing a standard or, or any song that you if it resonates with you, there's a way to do it. So together with Robert Glasper, and um, I love his sense of harmony and, and groove and, and just, you know, making something feel good and, and, and allowing a song and, and a, to, to just vamp, to just stay there and kind of uh, grow from, from just that feeling where you just, you feel it in your, in your gut and you just, you're bobbing your head to it. It's like, okay, I could stay here for days. This is great. <laughs> So I love that he's he's able to do that um, with music. So we we got together on it and um, came up with a, a little twist. Again, it's the same kind of approach that I had when I did I Can't Help It or any other song that, that people have a very specific original version. And I think it's you know you want to honor that. You want to kind of take the, the the juiciest part, the best part of that song, and and um, embellish that maybe or let that simmer but also have it have the approach where you're just scaling it down you're just stripping the song down to its pure essence and anything that you put into it is is, is your own story to tell let's play it next uh, song week Gretchen Perlato is my guest and a dream is the album here to Sunday afternoon jazz here on KVLU1 Beaumont what song would you like to, to play next? I, I really, Gretchen, I really thank you for like offering up some of the songs because I, I've, I've, the ones I've played on the program are there, but I, I, I want to ask your perspective on, on, I guess, the, the playlist today. So thanks for yeah. that. Oh, no, of, of course. Um, well, uh, it seems like a, another track that, that resonates with people might be the first one. Sure, sure. You know, um, which... Uh, kind of touched on before um it's you know it's a uh, written by stevie wonder but definitely the definitive version is, is michael jackson from um off the wall so it's 
I can't help it. That song always was like, oh, this is such a great song. And then I didn't even know for most of my life that Stevie Wonder wrote it. And real, realizing that, it was like, oh, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> and it was a song that resonated with me in some way, and I thought it would be, it'd be cool to do something with it. And I think I first started to sing this when I was in college at, at UCLA, so, you know, mid-'90s or something. And I used to do this just with you know, voice and guitar, just almost like a, a little Brazilian kind of vibe, maybe a touch on kind of a bossa kind of feel, like very understated and just making the song very simple. And so when I started working with Leonel, I brought the song to him, and anything that you really know, he's going to touch and turn to gold in his own way and do something different with it. So it became definitely more than just voice-guitar duet. He sing the bass lines and, you know, do really percussive things with even just how he would play chords and, and comp underneath the melody. So it, it just grew from, from there. Every time we played it, it would have the same basic structure, but anything was possible um, with that. So what I, I love to do with Lionel, when, we, when I play live and I only have a piano trio, I shouldn't say only, it's pretty awesome, the guys that I work with, but when we do just we don't have guitar, we'll do it as a band, and, and that version becomes a whole other thing. So it's an amazing song, and it's, uh, yeah, the first track on the album, I Can't Help It. Thanks so much. We'll play next on the program. Gretchen Pilato is my guest here on Afternoon Jazz, KVLU1. Gretchen, thanks for spending some time on the program today. You're really, welcome. really appreciate it. I hope that uh, everybody... Uh, those that haven't, seek out the album. I guess for more information, uh, they can go to obliquesound.com, uh, and that's O-B-L-I-Q-S-O-U-N-D.com. And also, uh, you have a website out there as well where they can find stuff, I MySpace, do. et cetera. Yep, um, just my name, GretchenParlato.com. If you go to my website, that will link you to any other um, site that I have. So, yeah, I hope people go there and, and check it out. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And my guest today was jazz vocalist Gretchen Parlato. Her latest album is called In a Dream. It's on the Oblique Sound record label. Afternoon Jazz continues next here on 91.3 KVOU1. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jazzcast from the Vault, jazz artist interviews from the KVLU archives that originally aired on Afternoon Jazz. You can find this podcast on all the major podcast platforms and on the NPR One app. You can find out more about KVLU by going to kvlu.org.